treason, sedition, rebellion. This is the heritage of the American patriot. Those revolutionaries who stood on principle to fight against tyranny no matter the cost. And that spirit lives strong today in the activists and freedom fighters who fight against the authoritarian state. Each in their own way, each with their own mission, united for the cause. had the idea to run on a platform of fuck the police prior to actually winning the primary. Uh, I mean, AOC is a drama queen and she's full of shit. They said, you don't get to tell us no, we're in the state health department, and I said, hell no. You brought a freaking guillotine. People already pushing back in ways that didn't even need any votes to be cast. I'm not ratting on anybody, and I did what I did, so you're going to have to give me what the law says you have to give me. You want to make the world a better place? Have some babies, and raise them to not be stupid. Hope I don't get canceled. Talk to you. These are the people whose stories I'm here to share. I'm Justin O'Donnell, and this is Submersive. Man, governments are not going to like this shit. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, activists, anarchists, shit posters, and people of the internet, thanks for tuning in to the Subversive number 78. As always, I'm your host, Justin O'Donnell. And before we get started, just remember whatever platform you listen on, whether it's on YouTube Live, Odyssey, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, on LRN.FM, you can help grow the show by liking, commenting, subscribing, and most of all, sharing the content with your friends. And if you enjoy what we're doing and you enjoy the content, you can join the insurgency by visiting patreon.com slash O'Donnell. Again, that's patreon.com slash O'Donnell. And make sure to check out our sponsor, snackswag.com, where you can get all your favorite subversive merch and liberty merch with official collections for the podcast, some rogue campaigns, some just general liberty merch, favorite new designs for hoodies, sweatshirts, t-shirts, some coffee mugs, and more. It's great marketing, great messaging. You can wear your principles literally on your sleeve. So check out snackswag.com today to get your merch. And if you want to keep in touch between shows, you can follow me on social media and join our community Discord channel where you can chat with other fans of the show at any time. And all these links can be found in the description of the video or podcast you're listening to. So make sure you check them out today. Now, today's topic is the culture war. If you didn't get it, weaponized discourse, what we're fighting is words and the meaning that words have lost because the way we use them and the culture around argumentation and modern political discourse. It's something that's deepened the divide in this country and fostered a true culture of hatred. But before we bring on our guest and dive into that, we have one special message from a special sponsor, the progressive left. Everyone I don't like is literally Hitler, literally Hitler, literally Hitler. Everyone I don't like is literally Hitler. Let's have a look and see. You got Donald Trump, PewDiePie, and Pepe the Frog. Hand signs, free speech, follow Godwin's law. Pro-life conservatives, grammar police, white men, YouTubers, people who eat meat. Yeah, everyone I don't like is literally Hitler, everyone except for me. Everyone I hate is a literal Nazi, literal Nazi, literal Nazi. Everyone I hate is a literal Nazi, let's have a look and see. Jordan Peterson, Nazi. Gamergate, Nazi. Feminist, Nazi. Shakespeare plays, Nazi. Barack Obama, Nazi. George W. Bush, Nazi. Bill Clinton, Nazi. Ronald Reagan, Nazi. Yeah, everyone I hate is a literal Nazi. Everyone except for me. Everything I don't like is literally Hitler, literally Hitler, literally Hitler. Everything I don't like is literally Hitler. Let's have a look and see. Comic books, Hitler. Comedian, Hitler. Capitalism, Hitler. Socialism, Hitler. Criticism, Hitler. Men's rights activism, Hitler. Sexual dimorphism, Hitler. Well, wowdy dandy do. 
Everybody, please give a warm welcome to the show, the one, the only naturalist capitalist, Reed Coverdale, freshly back to New Hampshire from his stand out west as a trucker, living home, living free, and here to talk about the culture war. How you doing, Reed? I'm doing well, Justin. It's good to be back at Subversive. Uh, always good to be on the show. Uh, it's great to have you. It's a uh, conversation uh, I think it'll be really interesting to have with you tonight, and I wanted you to, I wanted to ask you to do it because, well... Most of it's taking place on Twitter, which you're banned from. That's true. <laughs> and so your only exposure to it's third-hand screenshots and other people bitching and moaning about it because you don't have other accounts subverting a ban. True. Totally. I totally mean, yeah, don't. Totally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, uh, what has been your reason? Because you're someone who has kind of become a defining force in libertarian culture in the liberty movement in the last two years i mean i I remember the first time we ever really talked and you had me on your show as one of your earlier earlier episodes you were we were both still kind of nobodies and now you've kind of blown up into this phenomenon and become a defining force of the culture um like how have you seen that culture change with you as you've grown in it well, I think the libertarian culture is supposed to it's supposed to be like a, a truth seeking culture that realizes that most of the shit that the right and left are arguing about is a distraction from something much worse going on. So Jeremy, that's why I love Jeremy Kaufman's war is gay ad, because that's what that's blowing apart is like the conservatives are upset. That the military is gay. The liberals are upset. It's not gay enough. And the libertarians are supposed to be like, hey, did you notice we're murdering people with it? You know, that's kind of the most important thing. So I've really tried to drive that home. And I feel like that's becoming more more prominent, I hope, because back when I joined the party two years ago, it seems like people were I mean, people still fall for the right left culture war shit. But it seems like a lot of people are starting to see that it's all a distraction, but I don't know. It's like a, you know, two steps forward, three steps back sort of thing sometimes. So it's no, just, it's aggravating. To, but. to that point when Jeremy's ad is like, I said something when the Libertarian National Party shared his ad, it just cued outrage. None from the left, none from the right. It was Libertarians that were pissed or self-identifying Libertarians that were pissed and upset and offended by the just notion that Jeremy could take that kind of a shot at the sacred cow of the LGBTQ community. Um, but like, I had posted, I'm like, the very reason that some of you don't get this ad is why it's important. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's not a shot at the LGBTQ plus LMNOP community, actually. It's a shot at how stupid people are that they think that the military industrial complex cares about, you know, progressive values or whatever. <laughs> they don't give a fuck about those. They're just yeah. what they're just the latest fad that they can latch on to to gain cultural um you know cultural complacency or acceptance so they, um, they don't care about you except in the month of june that's exactly. the reality of it and like b i drive by ba systems uh labs every single morning on my way to work and every single morning it still blows my mind that this major defense contractor is flying a ukrainian flag outside of their headquarters <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll do whatever they need to get attention and to get acceptance from the culture and the community they don't care uh there was a joke uh, i remember myself and aj olden joked once we wanted to put up some little free libraries in nashua but we couldn't get permission from the city and we joked if we just put one up and put a placard on it that said sponsored by bae nobody would question it yeah because just everyone just assumes the defense contractors have your best interests at heart yeah and they obviously don't like and they'll go both ways too. like the, the funny thing is if you have a memory span of more than just a couple of years you'll remember back like 20 or 15 20 years ago when weapons contractors and lots of corporations were kind of b- more behind the conservative right-wing movement the more like satanic panic christian right. conservative you know if you don't stand with us, you stand with the terrorists. And then <laughs> they started realizing that was running out of political capital because people were sick of it. So like, okay, we'll do the Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, trans rights or human rights, whatever. And people don't think they can switch again. Like they could just fucking switch to something else once because this is running out of political capital, in my opinion. I think people are getting kind of sick of it. So they'll do something else next and they don't care. They'll just morph 
with the with the social tides you know they're chameleons for the gaining influence is it, is it running out of political capital or is it the people that it's valuable to running out of political power both like i think um you know some of some of this stuff like esg keeps things artificially beyond their uh their natural expiration date but f- to a large degree i think you see the culture swing happen when the normies get sick of something. So, you know, the, the fringes of whatever side will be pushing their culture war as hard as they can. But then once the normies finally get fed up, it goes away. So like with COVID, you know, there was some shit that was, uh, you know, unnaturally keeping that beyond what its expiration point should have been. But at the end of the day, it was really when people were just like, fuck this, we're done with this. We're not doing this anymore that it kind of, evaporated so well, whether people it's got sick of seeing their snapchat stories from their friends in florida exactly yeah so. That's, so i mean i think it's it's both it's you have people lose their power and their relevancy once the normies get sick of them for the most part now you, you said something about like realizing that the whole culture war thing is bullshit and the right left culture war is bullshit and i'm not so necessarily convinced that it is bullshit i'm, I'm not necessarily convinced that there isn't a true down the middle uh kind of right left cultural war uh happening right now trying to like fight over the heart and soul of american culture and what it is and should be and it's really not being tugged in either direction but it's really just widening that gap between the two of them in the middle and that can lead to catastrophic consequences down the road or great consequences like the balkanization of north america but that's just getting my (laughs) hopes up right um and I, i think a lot of libertarians did recognize this and did see this as a problem and did see the Libertarian Party and the Liberty Movement not engaging in the culture war at all was just leaving us behind. Right. And I, the risk running is, well, how do you pick a side between two shitty sides if you're going to engage at all? You can't just run down the middle because we've done 50 years of running down the middle and it's accomplished nothing. And the reality is running down the middle sucks because now you're just trying to placate to two shitty sides. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, it's not necessarily running down the middle. It's just putting out the stupidity of something from either side. So, like, I mean, in some ads that are coming up on Jeremy's campaign, we kind of do that on both sides. Like, just point out just the ridiculousness of the way each side thinks. So I think the left is right about a couple things and the right is correct about a couple things. But the the right will just die on the hill of like, you know, men shouldn't be competing on the women's swim team. And to me, that's just like such a no duh, no shit, like no fucking crap, dude thing. I can't imagine like spending a ton of time on it. It's just like, but yeah, it's no, also no like, shit. And then just move a, on. <laughs> you're right. It's it's a no duh. It's a no shit. Like brain dead. Of course, men shouldn't be competing against women in these kind of sports, but also who the fuck cares? Like, how does exactly. that affect somebody else's <laughs> life? Like, that's it's a hill. It's it, it's a hill. It has a view. It's not a nice view, though. If you're going to die on a hill, at least make it one with a nice view. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they just like put everything into these like stupid little fucking battles where, in my opinion, there's a lot more important shit going on. Like, so with me, when it comes to the women swim team thing, I just say, yeah, of course, that's stupid. And then I just move on to the next thing. I can't imagine like digging into the ground with that one for months and months on end. It's just like, okay, guys, we get it. Yeah, that's retarded. Any smart person knew that was retarded after like five minutes. But you've, you know, you've made a whole fucking documentary about this. So (laughs) I almost feel like right wing documentaries are the new book. Like it, people no longer write books about stuff; they do a documentary about it. And I, I didn't realize and this come to this conclusion until the um, the Mules movie, Dinesh D'Souza's new movie, came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, it occurred to me, somebody's like Dinesh D'Souza put out a movie. I'm like, huh? I haven't seen him put out a book in a while. Mm-hmm. And it used to be anytime anything controversial happened, Dinesh D'Souza wrote a book about it, and it was published within a week. Um, but and now it's I'll make a movie about it. That's so the right wing documentaries, and then immediately after Matt Walsh's What Is a Woman, um, and then um, Lauren Southern did her just trashing of the inside of the right, all like just one after another. And I, this is almost just like the new I wrote a book about it to capture the short attention span of people who can't read a book. Um, and I, I feel like 
this is the first time the right has really taken a step towards trying to engage in the culture war where it matters, like media, instead of in political discourse and political speech, because politics is and always will be downstream from culture. And where the left has succeeded is they've controlled Hollywood, they've controlled academia, they've controlled uh, elementary yeah. education, and they've controlled the culture, which has allowed them to take such a firm grip on politics. Yeah, and uh, I saw Masha commented, I hate the term culture war because it implies centrism is good. And I think we we dismantled that a little bit with the last <laughs> comment we just had. But I just wanted to say that um, I think, you know, the, the right needs the left in order to make a documentary about like what is a woman you know, or like to dig into the ground for months and months and months about how men shouldn't be competing on the women's swim team. Like to, Walsh. yeah, it's to any like sane person. Those are things you can figure out in five seconds. And so now the conservative position becomes like this no duh position on something that is just retarded that people will spend months and months and months arguing over where I feel like the libertarians should be like, hey, guys, like while you're arguing about this stupid fucking thing that really doesn't matter, this is going on and this is what they're really trying to do. So it's more about like bringing, like elevating people's awareness about the battles that are actually going on because well, I think that's it. It's the battles that are actually going on because I, I caught myself after a long time of trying to run down the middle and fight and, and trying to engage in both sides of the culture war when the left is like trans people deserve to compete in women's sports and the rights like women's sports are women's sports. And I'm like, why don't we let the independent sports federations decide their own rules? I'm like, that's the libertarian position. The reality is nobody gives a shit about the libertarian position. The reality is it's a stupid argument that nobody needs to be having. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I just, like, don't even bother getting bogged down in it. It's like there's this um, there's this saying that I used to go by that stupid people you, – you, you shouldn't argue with stupid people because stupid people bring you down to their level and then they beat you with experience. So – <laughs> like, uh, what's his name there doing the pro uh, prove me wrong. Uh, Steven Crowder, when he goes and like sits down with a college student, talks to them for like three hours about, you know, being non-binary gender. Like, I'm just not interested in that conversation at all. It's just not, it's not, um, it doesn't evoke any emotion or any, you know, any amount of ferocity also, for me. I just don't care. It's just such it's a also dumb a genre of clickbait. It's also yeah. an incredible genre of clickbait when it comes to how the media is presented because Stephen Crowder probably sits there for 12 to 16 hours having conversations with 100 people and then cherry picks the five or six that make him look the best to publish. I also love like, you know, the, the Ben Shapiro videos like Ben Shapiro destroys 13 year old trans queer gender neutral. Blah, you know, there's like 11 freaking adjectives with pink hair and you know in debate or whatever it's like oh wow dude why don't you go like debate someone who actually knows what they're talking about who is right. just a complete moron but <laughs> right and that bench bear would never debate somebody on his own level because why no. would you like if you're in a position of making content why would you go and punch to the side when you can punch down and keep getting clicks and, and continue the grift and I'll get back to that, the continuing the grift thing, because I think a lot of what the culture war has become is just a grift. A lot of what people on both sides are doing is just monetizing their own hatred, monetizing their own haters right. uh, to reinvigorate their base, to support themselves financially, not to make a difference. And that, that's on the right and the left, and even in libertarian circles, where people aren't making a difference. They're just cashing a check at the end of the day. Yeah. Hit that Patreon button. <laughs> no, that's totally what it is. Like, I mean... I <laughs> I mean, and the, the but they do it on both sides. Like yeah. the, the January 6th is the most impressive culture war thing to me that has lived as long as it has. Like they're, I don't know if I'm more impressed with like keeping January 6th alive or rebooting Star Wars like 8 million times. Like I don't, like that is the most amazing, impressive grift I've ever seen. I'm, I, I, I mean, I hate the fact that it's still being resuscitated but i do stand in awe at you know how long it's been artificially uh kept alive well the it it's just a byproduct so the culture the congressional hearings on january 6th is just a 
symptom, I think, of the culture of what has become of the U.S. Congress. Because, like, it's, I think it was Thomas Massey who posted once. I forget exactly if it was him or somebody else, but that it had been like 10 years since anybody's offered an amendment on the floor of Congress. Um, yeah. They haven't been allowed to debate a bill in forever. It's probably uh, Justin Amash. He's talked yeah. about that a ton. But, but like, yeah. Nancy Pelosi, um, Mitch McConnell, whether it's Republicans in charge or Democrats in charge, it doesn't matter. The Speaker of the House and the bureaucrats and House staff actually run the House. The congressmen, their whole job is to sit on committees, do investigations, and fundraise. And they right. fundraise four to five days a week full-time and do committee hearings one day a week full-time. And all of these committee hearings are televised, but there's never a vote. There's never a resolution. There's never a bill or any amendments that come out of them. They just subpoena people to their committees so they can te- so they can interrogate them on live internet live international television to appease their donors. And that's why you get Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who like she's not a stupid person. She she has degrees from like very good university in Boston. And she's not idiotic. And if you've ever actually heard her talk, like when she doesn't realize the cameras are rolling, she is very articulate and smart with what she's saying. And she knows exactly what she's doing. But she'll spout off shit you know she can't know. is She knows is not true. Just to get those donor dollars and make a scene in a committee hearing. Yeah, of course. I mean, I feel like on the left, a lot more people are intentionally evil. And then a lot more people on the right are just stupid. You know, like, I, sure. it, it's kind of funny because we have been taught that the opposite is true, that the <laughs> left are well-meaning. They're just, like, not well-read. And, like, I've never got that opinion. I've always thought, like, in general, the left know exactly <laughs> what the fuck they're doing. And the right-wingers have just read the Second Amendment and John 316, and that's all they know, you know? <laughs> like, yes. it's, very, it's much more... God, guns, and Trump. Yeah, exactly. 2024. <laughs> You laugh, but we have a woman running for Congress here in New Hampshire, and that's her whole platform. (laughs) Hey, it could be worse, I guess. But (laughs) yeah, she's like the 25 year old Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's kind of weird, but it's uh, interesting and fun to watch at the same time. Uh, Comment here from JC in the chat. He thinks Corey DeAngelis is doing a good job making school choice legal, and I think Corey DeAngelis is someone you can really highlight as like an activist who's engaging in the culture war, but actually doing real meaningful activism. Like Corey right. DeAngelis spends all of his time traveling the country, testifying to different legislatures, helping legislators craft model legislation, helping uh, Prenda groups in Arizona and Texas set up independent learning systems and helping kids get out of the school system. Corey DeAngelis isn't a grifter. Corey DeAngelis has an actual like volume of real life work to support his activism, to support what he publishes. Like he's, the rare exception on either side of these because somebody working on almost the exact same thing as Corey DeAngelis is James Lindsay. Um, What all James Lindsay does is bitches and cries about woke infiltration of the education system, uh, writes books and tells his cult to give him more money. Um, but he doesn't actually do any. He doesn't get. He educates people. He runs a podcast. He collects information. But what's he actually done? Nothing. He expects other people to do the actual legwork of implementing any of that. But at the same time, he's so autistically in his own head that if you disagree with him, you're the enemy. And it, that mentality—it's not to him. It's to people on the right, to people on the left, even a lot of libertarians. If you disagree with us, you're the enemy, and that's. I think where we've gotten so deep into this culture war, the tug of war of the heart and soul of politics in this country, that everyone has been pushed to those extremes. You're the enemy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on everyone's James, a Nazi. Yeah. On James <laughs> Lindsay, I do think he actually does do a lot of valuable work. I thought he went at you sideways the other day and it was hilarious because he was calling you a rhino. You're not even a rhino. You're nothing. You're not even a Republican right. in name only. So that, that was kind of funny. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of this, the enemy the enemy is just the evil bad guys, and I'm just going to continually fundraise off it and just keep making movies about it and keep doing this and that about it. And like I said earlier, it's it doesn't require much research or thought in a lot of cases because they just go for the really basic red meat stuff that should be obvious to anybody. So... Um, you know, like so many of the Democrats are just constantly attacking Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I actually kind of like Marjorie Taylor Greene for a lot of reasons, but she does say like a lot of dumb shit. 
And it's right. like, if that's all you're doing is going after the dumb shit that Marjorie Taylor Greene says, or the right, they're always going after the dumb shit that AOC intentionally says. They're never going after Hillary Clinton for being a warmonger and destroying Libya. Right. And, you know, they're never going after Obama for, uh, you know, suspending civil right, uh, civil liberties. Um, you know, they're never going after um, Nancy Chuck Pelosi. Schumer for the right things or Nancy Pelosi. They're never like doing anything that's actually, um, you know, that, that's actually cutting and is actually deep at all. It's all surface level um you know easy like the right, bullshit so the right likes to bitch and moan about corruption and the democrats and corruption and the elites and right. people running the country but when like it came out that nancy pelosi's husband made millions of dollars on an inside trading deal that she had advanced knowledge of because she was passing a bill that was going to bump that stock um it was an it was in the news cycle for like 20 minutes one reporter asked her a question at a press conference. She said, no, shoved the microphone out of her face and walked off. And we haven't heard about it since. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of this stuff, like they can't actually criticize the real, um, you know, the real corruption because they're also implicit in it. So like, you can't go after the Democrats for Epstein because pretty much all the Republicans have, you know, also had dealings with Epstein or whatever. And the same with, even with like the, the, the funny the, in the wheelchair went after Mitch McConnell. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the Republican. He was a, he was oh, a freshman. Yeah. Uh, rep, Cawthorn. Uh, Madison Cawthorn. Cawthorn. He, he went after Repu the Republican elites and the establishment and said they were inviting him to orgies with cocaine and drugs yeah. and strippers and how disgusting and amoral it was. Cause he was a good little Catholic boy. They torpedoed him and oh, ended yeah. his career. Exactly. That's what they'll do to you. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know what friend of his released that video. What a fucking awful friend, whoever that was. <laughs> right. No, I, here's the thing. is like, it was only bad because it was framed badly. The reality yeah. is, look at it. You're a college kid on a cruise. He was covered. He was being hung over by a bunch of beautiful girls um, went, dressing up. Like, who cares? He was clearly shit faced and having the time of his life. When he was younger in college, uh, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie. I'd have swapped places with him any day. Like that's not a bad photo if you look at it in the context. Oh no, no, you saw the video though, right? Or did you oh, not see the video? No, what was it? Oh, he he doesn't have any pants on, and he oh. humps a dude's face on. He he like crawls on top of a dude and humps his face, which I don't care. But I'm just saying it was whoever released that video was not a nice friend. <laughs> like whoever videoed it and then. <laughs> fucking put it out there but well I, I mean what's so wrong about it if you're at it like we'll get to the right just they're letting it become an all gays thing again yeah because the culture war is getting back to that point it's circling back around on gay marriage now and that's going to be the next hill a lot of christian conservatives are going to try and die on now that they've won roe v wade mm -hmm. um and, and we're seeing this now in other places um but like to point to at the start of it, the tweet that I made that pissed off James Lindsay uh, for the audience's reference was one that it was a simple one liner that said the right is doing to the word groomer what the left did to the word racist. And I don't even think that's a controversial take. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think the only like difference is there were a lot more groomers than there were racists. Like I think the ratio is a little bit closer on the right side than it was on the left side. But yeah, I, I think well, to fair. me, it's it's not about the accuracy of the term. It's about the overuse and the uh, use of it as a just catch all collectivist pejorative. Yeah. Where like we sure. even have, we even people have in libertarian circles who use it as a sarcastic attack at people like, okay, groomer um, yeah. replacing, okay, boomer. And yeah. like, if it's anyone become a joke, you're a groomer. Like it's yeah. devaluing the word. It's making it meaningless. It's becoming to the point where the actual groomers, when they do get accused of it, it's, is it a joke? I don't know. You just call everyone a groomer. Yeah, no, for sure. That has undoubtedly happened. Um, and I don't know. I mean, you, you, you kind of summed it all up there. Once you yeah. devalue the word, when someone's actually doing the 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 at the verb or the you know they're they could be described with the adjective you've been using once you've devalued it it has no potency anymore 
And, and it's funny because a lot of the people I see this doing in libertarian circles, because I try not to engage the right all that much online, but libertarians um, who are overusing the word groomer and making attacks on groomer, a lot of people come from kind of the right-leaning paleo and the Mises circles of the libertarian movement, are the same people who lost their goddamn minds when the leftists called Tom Woods a groomer. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of funny when that happened because... Um... It was it was like, well, this is what happens once you, you know, devalue this word and it means anyone you have any criticisms of or anyone who's seeing somebody younger than them or whatever. Like, yeah, that, that's just what it was kind of a full circle ending. And, and to me, the worst part is I, I think a lot of the people that the right are attacking and calling groomers and using groomers as a pejorative to them uh, to the point where. Um, somebody, somebody defended to me said, well, the social media never banned racist. I'm like, yeah, that's because it's controlled by the people that were calling you racist. Right. Uh, but And now you're calling them groomers. Of course they're going to ban it. That doesn't mean you're not accomplishing the same thing. You need to um, go over to a free speech platform like Getter. You get banned real quick for calling <laughs> Israel apartheid slave masters. But <laughs> what we do see is like, I, I think there is a really, really big distinction between grooming and indoctrination. There are two very, very different things. And I think a lot of the people in the American educational complex, and the, I'll call it the freaking government education. We, I hate calling them public schools because they're not for the public benefit. They're government schools. Um, mm -hmm. Are very, very guilty of indoctrination. Not necessarily grooming. And, and just like... Telling kids about LGBT propaganda and opening up to the ideas and talking about pronouns and whatnot, that's not grooming. It is indoctrination. It absolutely is indoctrination. It's a form of brainwashing. Um, and I don't necessarily think indoctrination is all bad because the reality is bringing your kids to Sunday school every day is also a form of indoctrination. Well, uh, this is where I really realized that I am an anarchist and don't believe in any sort of public or uh, property or, you know, government programs. Because uh, in 2021, when, you know, you had parents who were vaccinating their 10 year olds, you had a lot of people on the right who were saying that is child abuse and you need to take those kids away from their parents. And then you had the exact opposite thing happening where conservatives would not vaccinate their children and all the liberals were saying that's child abuse. You need to take those children away from their parents. And like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what do you do with that? Like you can't, you can't make those people live together and live under the same public education system. It's just not going to work. You can't make them live in the same community. You can't make them right. work in the same economy almost because their ethics and their morals are so fundamentally different. Right. And like, I had this discussion last night with Kyle Madovic, but like, I think just the ethics and morals of libertarianism are distinct and fringe and we don't fit in with people. That's why consolidation works. That's why the free state project works where it's libertarian parties failed so dramatically everywhere else is because we only have power in numbers and we will never have numbers when we're Anyways. spread out. Yeah. Um, but like back to the indoctrination thing, I, I, I think not all indoctrination is bad. A lot of indoctrination is bad, but what indoctrination is bad is going to vary from person to person, family to family, culture and community to culture and community based on your ethics and morals. And if somebody has fundamentally different ethics and morals than you, like I would never send my children to Sunday school. I don't want my children to be raised brainwashed into religion. If they become adults and make that decision that they want to explore religion on their own, by all means, that's their right to do so. And they can do so as an educated adult able to make that decision. But brainwashing them as children is something I find detestable. So like to me, making kids go to Sunday school and church and raising them to be religious and not letting them critically think it out on their own is a form of indoctrination that I find distasteful and I wouldn't want in my own family and community. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the Christian religious sects that do it are bad. They're just bad by my morals and standards, not by their own. And so like it fundamentally right. comes down to like, it's not that indoctrination is bad. It's who is exercising the indoctrination of other people. And when the state maintains a monopoly on indoctrination through the government education system, they strip the right of parents to raise their children the way they want to. 
Yeah, I think I agree with what you're saying, you know, in the um, in the purely like philosophical sense that that is what we should be aiming for is, you know, getting rid of a public education system because people just have different values and they view different things as evil. I think while we still have a public education system, we can draw a line when it comes to sure. sexual indoctrination, you know, like it's like, okay. Uh, I mean, the, the funny thing was the DeSantis bill that got so much controversy. It was only through like third grade or something. And it wasn't even right. like that too. It was a pretty toothless bill. Um, but I, yeah, like I'm fine with, you know, regardless of whether it's transsexual or gay or straight, like I don't think that you should be teaching elementary school but kids about sex in school. You should look honestly, at one of the most that. controversial bills regarding government school uh, indoctrination that has been passed. It wasn't even the don't say gay bill. Like it, the, New Hampshire passed a divisive concepts bill, which probably should have been way more controversial than the don't say gay bill, but because it didn't focus on the LGBT issue, which was the prom prominent cultural issue at the time in the culture war, nobody noticed it outside of New Hampshire. Nobody really fucking talked about yeah, it. Yeah, but at that's all. because Sununu isn't going to run for president until 2028. So, you know, <laughs> the the media divide that doesn't really exist that we're supposed to think exist had to, you know, pump DeSantis all this time. Yeah. Well, it, it would, they weren't even at the same time. They weren't even remotely close, but like here in New Hampshire, they passed the uh, divisive concepts bill, which banned teaching um, critical race theory, banned teaching that America's racist, um, banned teaching that any, like there's, I think a lot of the legislators that wrote, drafted and voted on it don't actually know what critical race theory is. Um, because they banned a master's level course from being taught in elementary school, mm -hmm. uh, which it never was anyways. Uh, but they didn't actually touch on the issues of like teaching kids that they're inherently guilty for being white or that they have an inherent like responsibility to culture because of their race and their privilege. Like that shit ends up being banned by the bill, but it's not critical race theory. Yeah, this is the, the thing that's so stupid about all of this is once you have to start making laws to try to get morons to teach your kids about important <laughs> shit. Like you've already lost. Um, right. The problem is we have retarded people teaching our kids retarded shit, you know, like, and I'm not sure it can be legislated away because there's always some way around the law. There's always, you know, the, the, the blanket approach isn't going to work. So the problem is that we've just lost it as a society and our culture is just, falling off a cliff like a sack of potatoes well masha makes this comment in the chat oh my god outbreed the left she talks about this all the time uh in person and online about like the liber libertarians talk about how we have to outbreed the left and breed them for freedom and have as many kids as you can raise as many libertarians as you can that's how we'll win the future is the next generation will have more of them who's educating them yeah <laughs> like go ahead have seven kids but like if you can't afford to like raise them all homeschool live off like your own land and not need an income coming from the state you end up sending those kids to government school to be taught by somebody with 18 different pronouns and four different colors of hair right <laughs> like <laughs> yeah no i mean we are outbreeding the left they're all you know cutting their dicks off and they're all gay and they're all <laughs> aborting all their children so obviously we're like we're technically outbreeding them but what you just pointed to is how they still win because they have access to your children and they can teach them basically whatever they want so the obvious problem there is the state school structure that has to be dismantled and i'm i'm being honest when i say that i'm not sure legislation is going to fix that problem by saying you can't talk about this type of thing and you need to teach this with an unbiased approach like once the people who are in the system are retarded i, I know this from being in the workforce like you can't yep. legislate safety to morons so I you can't legislate good teaching to morons either. It's just not going to work. Yeah, I have a couple of good friends of mine who are former public school teachers, former government school teachers who couldn't do it anymore, rage quit, walked out of union meetings that this is disgusting, it's terrible, we can never win. And one of them actually took the job as like she thought she was going to do an activism. She was going to go into the public high school and teach kids how to think, and she was going to be the uh, – dead poet society teacher and teach these kids how to fr yeah. think freely and uh stand up to conformity and then two years later she just quit she's like they wouldn't let me 
I tried. Yeah. It was miserable. It was awful. And I have another friend who he was a public school teacher for a long time and he taught in residential schools and troubled shoots homes and places where kids really, really need that extra kind of help because like they're already have enough fucked up in their life that they're doing criminal shit at the age of 14. They need a decent education to overcome that. And he said that it was a forced curriculum and you were teaching statist garbage nonsense how to conform, not how to think. Yeah, my dad is still a public school teacher. He has been for 36 years now, and he has a lot of the same reflections. Like, um, I don't think he would do it again now, like starting over. Like, he doesn't regret it. He's He has yeah. been kind of the Dead Poet Society teacher. Uh, Mr. Keaton, I think is the character's yep. name. Oh, Captain, um, my captain. <laughs> yeah, and my, my dad, really, he's an English teacher too, so he really has been very uh, similar to that character in the story. But... He used to teach philosophy class and then like 12 years ago, he just stopped because he's like, what's the point? No one has <laughs> any standards or cares about if they're being consistent or not. Like he just quit. Um, and he thinks, and I agree with him that education is just going to be taking on a completely different shape. Like this whole archaic idea of going to school eight hours a day, five days a week for, sure. you know, 12 or 13 years of your life like that is going to end because we're not going to have to do it that way. So I mean, that, that's a system set up for designing people to work in factories. And most people don't do that anymore. I think so. this is one of the greatest unintended consequences of government action ever, um, where the government forced everyone to lock down. They shut down schools. They said, you're going to home. All the kids have to sit in front of their goddamn computer all day and do classroom is, is when the, when the government schools were forced to shut down and every parent in this country was forced to become a homeschooler overnight against their yeah. will a solid huge percent of them realized and started to pay attention to what their kids were learning how their kids were being taught the the propaganda and um shit being forced down their kids throats and how little time of the school day was actually dedicated to learning and schoolwork like yeah. i had a friend of mine she told me she's like it's fucking mind-blowing because I take my kid off the Zoom and we just go through his curriculum one on one and it's an hour and a half. What do they do for the other six and a half hours at school? Yeah, even before the lockdowns, when um, I was working on Tulsi Gabbard's campaign, you know, she had this awful idea about college that we just need to make it free for community colleges for everybody. And I was arguing with some of the other people on her campaign who weren't, because there were a lot of libertarians on that campaign, mm -hmm. but a lot of them weren't either. So I was arguing with, the non-libertarian ones about free college. And I was like, if anything, we should be turning high school into college. I mean, you don't need to take four years of English class anymore. Right. Like most of that is reading Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer and, you know, these novels that uh, you don't really like have to read anymore necessarily. And knowing all these, you know, histories, like knowing all these dates and everything, there's faster, easier ways to learn this now, um, you know, and some of the, I don't know, like no one fucking gives a shit about any of that stuff anymore. Like I still know all of it. Like I know all, all the Bible and I know all the novels and everything, but they're not culturally relevant anymore, which is kind of unfortunate in some ways. But at the same time, it's like to be a functioning adult in society, why do you have to sit in English class for four years, read all these books, take all these tests when, you know, the world is evolving past that point. Shouldn't education evolve along with the world? I don't know. It should. Yeah. So given, given the fact that technology has progressed and increased at an exponential rate and access to information has become exponentially more readily available every single year in our lifetime, like how has education stalled and even gone backwards? Uh, Ian Underwood of Croydon, New Hampshire, he wrote an article. He was published today in the Granite Rock uh, called What a Free Stater Believes. And it was in a response to a New York Times article that was just a hit piece on him and his wife because the New York Times cares about two libertarians from a small town of 300 people in New wait, Hampshire. Wait, wait, a libertarian had a hit piece written about them? I wonder what that's like. That <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Ian, if you're not familiar with Ian's background and Ian's story, um, he, he first kind of got national attention when he went to a town meeting out in Croydon, New Hampshire a few years ago. And in the middle of the winter, this was like the January town meeting. And he said, this is bullshit. We don't need to be spending all this money on a police department. I propose we abolish the police department and strip its budget from the town budget. And it passed. And they fired the cop that night. And 
the reason the story went national was because the cop left in his underwear because they took his uniform. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've heard the story. Yeah, <laughs> it's one. great. And so Ian has continuously <clears throat> done shit like that at Croydon Town meetings, proposed radical changes, massive budget cuts, um, libertarian ideals. And last this past year, he proposed a measure to cut the, the when the school board gave them a budget like this is how much money we need. He's like, no, this is how much you're going to get. Make it work. <laughs> And gave them less than half of what they asked for. Um, and that caused national outcry. People, he's hurting our kids. He's ruining our schools. He's uh, defunding education. And he's setting our kids back 100 years. His article today, he points out that um, 30 years ago, or however long ago, when the New Hampshire Supreme Court decided that every school district had to have equal funding per student. Mm -hmm. um, and they started subsidizing tax money from rich towns to poor towns to make sure everyone had the same amount of money. Um, what happened was Croydon had more students back then, spent far less money because they had less money, but had better educational outcomes and higher scores and higher educational rates with more students and less money, even mm -hmm. adjusted for inflation. And today, Croydon's budget is more than the richest town in New Hampshire was when that was passed. And they still have horrible educational outcomes for fewer students. Mm -hmm. So, like, his point is the only way to improve it is to cut the funding, to force the teachers and to force the system to innovate and do something different. So you don't think the solution is more administrative positions and billions <laughs> more dollars? You don't think that's going to do it? No, yeah. definitely not. Um, I think education is going to naturally morph over the next couple decades into something completely unrecognizable in comparison to what it is today. So regardless of what the progressives want to do as far as funding it, like it's going to go the way of the dodo bird in, in the way we thinking of it now, um, because there's just so many easier ways to educate people now than having them sit in a classroom with a book for eight hours. Like that's just not the way it's going to be anymore. So well, I, I had a great conversation with this with Carrie McDonald a couple months ago of Fee, and and she was doing an article on a, a podcast that she had done about an innovative new approach that some companies in Arizona are doing. Uh -huh. Companies are setting up homeschooling pods for their employees on site as a benefit because they can't afford uh, yeah. it. They can't afford raises, but they can't afford to give your kids a better education. Yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> Those types of those types of options are probably going to be springing up more and more. And I think you're right. Like the the lockdowns are what spurred that realization on. Like, oh wow, this is literally just an expensive form of daycare that we subsidized uh, when it comes to education. Like that's right. really all it is, and they're not learning shit. And the exposure to the content kids were learning, like it, it was mid lockdown and towards the end of the lockdowns, the end of COVID, where we really saw the public outcry against wokeness in schools and against critical race theory and against this leftist indoctrination because these parents didn't know their kids were being taught that because the right. kids were being told to shut up about it, and not tell their parents about it. And like having the conflicting indoctrination, the parents weren't aware until the parents heard the Zoom lecture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty amazing. I mean, even like not just the the wokeness, but also like the stupidity of like how they're teaching math now. Like I've, I remember like doing long division. You have like that little bar, and then you like you know carry and blah, 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 you just like do it real. This new system they've come up with it takes like four times as long. Um, it's just like what the fuck. I saw this so side much by room side for error too. Yeah, I saw the like side by side comparison of someone doing division the old way. And they're done in like 30 seconds. And then, you know, the new process takes like five minutes. It's just, it's just dumb. So I don't know. It's, it's nonsense. It's idiotic. It's um, like, I, I, I'm curious as to where it started. Like that's one question I keep having when I look at this culture war, this education war, the indoctrination, the, um, the grooming, the racist, the bigots, the everyone's my enemy. Like at what point did this start? Because like, I remember growing up, living in a household where my parents had different political views and ideologies and got along. Well, they didn't get along. So they got divorced, but it wasn't over politics, but <laughs> like, whereas like my, my dad voted for Clinton and my mom didn't. Yeah. And like, but like, and politics wasn't something that was discussed at home, but now it's something that you uh, break up entire families over. Yeah. Like, I think, how did it get this bad? Well, I think the, the statement politics is downhill from culture is partially true, but it's also true that 
culture can be downhill from politics. So something like lockdowns just drastically changes your culture, right? Like you can't right. say that that doesn't change cultures. So that's an example of culture being downhill politics. And then in other areas, politics will be downhill from culture. Kind of like if there's this wokeness for long enough, like eventually the politics are going to change. People are going to get sick of the the bullshit or whatever. Um, but yeah, just, just one last thing on schools. I mean, I, they're, they're not teaching anyone anything. And one of the, <laughs> one of the reasons I say this is I, I heard recently that like some huge number, like 30% of high school graduates don't know what the Holocaust is or something <laughs> right. like that. And then a lot of people, like if you talk to them about world war two, if they know what the Holocaust is, they think that's why we fought in World War II. It's just like you don't know about Pearl that's Harbor not even, and like <laughs> that's not even self-contained to the United States. That's not even our no, thing. I, I, I actually saw something on TikTok of all fucking places uh, where they were doing man on the street interviews in Tokyo, asking Japanese teenagers who bombed Pearl Harbor. Oh my god! <laughs> it was China and Russia. It was China and Russia. It was China and Russia. Did they know who bombed Nagasaki and Hiroshima or? They were taught, like one of them brought out a textbook. They were taught that China started World War II. Yeah. And that's the country that had American influence for the last hundred years. Like, how do they get to that point where, like, they're teaching their kids that? And, like, the reality is you have to wonder if they're teaching their kids that, maybe we were the ones taught wrong the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was the Chinese the whole time. We just used it as an excuse to go to war with Japan. Well, they started COVID, so why wouldn't they start World War II as well? You know, maybe they're just the... Yeah. Yeah. So, no, uh, but I, I think a lot of people don't realize like the catastrophic consequences that the indoctrination of the education system is going to have um, on the future of this country, not just divisions politically and culturally, but with regards to liberty, freedom, and like totalitarianism in general. And one of the things that uh, was brushed over by a lot of people during COVID was the emphasis on compliance and the emphasis on conformity that it wasn't just towards school kids, it was towards the entire general population, especially government populations and government employees and military personnel and how they were forced and how they were treated with regards to vaccines and mandates and everything. And I had a Twitter exchange with somebody today where there was a joke. Somebody put a picture of a bunch of rednecks with uh, flags and shotguns saying, these people really think they're going to beat these people and it was a Navy SEAL team. And I just commented, I'm like, well, a bunch of illiterate goat farmers did yeah, it. I, saw that one, like, I mean, I didn't see it. I saw a screenshot of it. So. Yeah. yeah I'm like, a bunch of illiterate goat farmers did it. Like, why couldn't they? With 20 years and a few generations of angry descendants, sure, they could pull it off. Um, but one comment somebody said is like, I, I can't imagine the people honestly believe the U.S. military would turn on their own friends, citizens, and family that they grew up with. At which point I put it out, I'm like, There was a point about a year ago where a staff sergeant in the U.S. Army, she made a TikTok bragging about how excited she was for uh, martial law and how it was going to be such a great power trip because she was going to get to exercise her authority and how willing she was to shoot any civilian that dared defy her authority during martial law when it happened. Not if it happened, when it happened. She was not punished. Her command issued, uh, gave her like counseling because uh, she needed therapy because the internet was so mean to her. Um, she was not demoted, not punished, not stripped of pay and rank or anything. Like she was, in fact, rewarded with like a vacation and leave, um, not uh, because of, over those statements. But at the same time, the United States military was busy discharging and removing from service anybody who opposed a mandatory vaccine. Yeah. I mean, the the schools don't even have to, like, teach incorrect history or incorrect um, science even necessarily. They just have to teach people to not think. They just have to right. teach people to go along, to get along. and to, Or to think know, the right things. Or yeah. to not question what you're told. Exactly. Let to conform with the rubric or whatever. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. There's very little critical thinking that takes place in schools anymore. And so that just get, that, you know, the the uh, <clears throat> the power hungry thrive off of a stupid population. If we had a well-informed, 
um, intelligent population, it would have been a lot harder to get away with all the things they've gotten away with over the last couple of years. But it's because <laughs> people are just stupid and don't ask questions. So um, are you familiar with the full text of Thomas Jefferson's letter uh, to William Smith, uh, where the quote the tr- of, of regarding the tree of liberty comes from? Um, I've probably read it, but I don't really remember. So it's a very long-winded letter in which Thomas Jefferson is complaining about the Constitution and how awful it is and how it's going to lead to tyranny in the future uh, because it does crazy things like create a Supreme Court that's going to take power. And like Thomas Jefferson outlines a lot of the problems we have today in that letter and says they could all be avoided by sticking to the Articles of Confederation. Right. Um, and then at the end, like he talks about the different revolutions that we've had and how we haven't hardly had that many when you think about it over the course of 20 years and 13 colonies. That's basically 200 years. God forbid any country go 200 years without a revolution. Um, but a huge chunk of the middle of his letter is talking about how like the importance of um, the reason the Constitution would fail was because it called for the election, the popular election of rep- congressional representatives and the, in effect, popular election of the executive because people couldn't be trusted to be informed about who they were voting for. Yeah, Even back whole, then. This whole <laughs> idea that, you know, we need government because the government is smarter than the people, but we need to have representative democracy so that we have a you know a government that speaks for the people it's just like the dumbest circular reasoning ever it's like if i mean even if you do buy the idea that we're actually like electing people who represent us truly which isn't the case at all but even if that were true they're being put in by morons who vote so who cares it's just it's a it's a fruitless endeavor and and i'll read you one quote from it which highlights this where he talks about the ignorance of the people um, and, and I think this is fascinating because I, I read this after the fact. I actually never looked up the full letter. I always just knew the Tree of Liberty quote and the Rebellions quote. Uh, but mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, I looked up the full letter for a piece I was writing uh, and read the full thing. In Thomas Jefferson's uh, commentary about anarchy and rebellion in Massachusetts during Shays' Rebellion, it reminded me very, very much of what me and you have been saying about January 6th the entire time of January 6th. Uh, insurrection hearings and everything. Um, so the whole English nation has believed them. The ministers themselves have come to believe them. What is more wonderful, we have believed it ourselves. Yet where does this anarchy exist? And where did it ever exist except in the single instance of Massachusetts? And can history produce an instance of a rebellion so honorably conducted? I say nothing of its motives. They were founded in ignorance, not wickedness. But God forbid we should ever be 20 such years without such a rebellion. Based. <laughs> says they're stupid people they didn't know what they're doing i hope they do it again <laughs> like like sounds a lot like january 6th <laughs> right they were stupid people who had no idea what they were doing i hope next time they bring rope <laughs> <laughs> well didn't they set up a gallows they just didn't use it it was like they set up a gallows and the, i have dude it was the ultimate cock tease it was like are you kidding me you're gonna set that up and not test that baby out <laughs> I, I ended up saving in it minecraft news, uh, because i didn't know if it would ever get memory hold i'm like i want this and it's literally a dude standing on top of the gallows he says we need mike pence we need Mike Pence. Bring me Mike Pence. Demanding the crowd bring him Mike Pence to his gallows. Yeah, dude. I don't know if you saw this, but um, I think it was on Twitter. Yeah, it was on Twitter before I got banned the latest time. And I was talking about how, like, I, I wasn't going to condemn January 6th because if any, if I have any negative feelings toward it, it was just dumb and fruitless or whatever. But um, I was, you know, these it was libertarians who were arguing with me it was like more blue pill libertarians and they were saying like it's horrible like they wanted to execute people and i was like okay as a libertarian if there's a crowd chanting hang mike pence am i really supposed to come away with that with negative comments like i don't know like i mean it's not for the same reasons that i think he should hang but you know like if they're just saying that like 
I'm not going to condemn that. Like, I'm going to like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I will leave everyone with one point, one final thing. is something we want to point out. The Lincoln Project tweets, the numbers don't lie. President Biden has created the strongest economy in American history. Folks, the media is pushing you, telling you that this is the strongest economy in American history, but we just had GDP numbers released that said we had negative GDP growth for two quarters consecutively, <laughs> which means Trump literally had a stronger economy than Biden. <laughs> the amount of gaslighting is incredible. Like yeah. Trump even like claiming he had the strongest economy in the history of the country was complete bullshit, but his was way better than this. Like it's not even comparable. He had a stronger economy than Bush or Obama because mm -hmm. he had less military. He still had way too much military and defense spending, but he had less foreign war spending than those two. And that's yeah. it. That's it. Well, yeah, he still had riding. dramatically too much. Yeah, but like it was less. And I hate to admit it, but that's what made uh, Donald Trump the best president of my lifetime. Yeah, Biden <laughs> was doing good with pulling out of Afghanistan, but then right. Ukraine then is kind of like fucking. Yeah. <laughs> fuck that's that going. one up. You can't fuck up a good thing, Biden. Reed, thanks so much for coming on. This has been a fun conversation. Enlightening conversation. Thank you, everybody, for watching, tuning in, joining us for this chat. It's been enlightening, fun, and unfortunately divisive because the culture war is not ending. We are not winning. But we can. We just got to figure out how to do it with the high ground and not tell everyone they're Nazis. But until next time, stay free. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Subversive. Make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications to get alerted every time we go live on YouTube. And make sure to leave some comments and reviews on whatever platform you listen on to let me know what you thought of this episode. And a huge thanks and shout out to our sponsors and the awesome members of the Insurgency on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can join the Insurgency on Patreon by following the links in the description for patreon.com slash and if you can't catch the show live, you can always catch it the next day on YouTube, Odyssey, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast every day. So until next time, everybody, be free.